Hello, and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to amazing people from across the globe that inspire comedians like you and me to live this comedy journey on our own terms. Now, our next guest, our guest of today is a fascinating guest. She is like fruit juice. Lots of lots of amalgamation of different fruits melded into one dynamic and fantastic individual. She runs the Faversham Fringe. She's a comedian. She's been on radio. She's a screenwriter, playwriter. She does she she builds website. She's the whole shebang of many different things that have tremendous stories behind them. She is someone you're gonna absolutely love. And it's my pleasure to introduce the fantastic Vibs Norman. Well, that is the best introduction I've ever had. A fruit juice shebang is what I took from that. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome to use it on any (laughs) post-it. I think I probably will. You have many different stories and like today we're going to find out your incredible story but also like we're going to find out about what it takes to be a maestro of many different things and of course being a festival comedy festival organizer yeah well spread yourself thin (laughs) (laughs) share as many things as possible never say no no maybe not (laughs) of course yes of course never say no say yes 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 well (laughs) Maybe sometimes say no. Depends what the question is. That's true. <laughs> now, get in like a short summary, like how did this comedy journey start? How did you get into all of this? When did you decide to be a comedian? And when well, did you decide to be festival? I'm not sure I really decided. Um, I've always, so I've always written stuff and um, everything I ever write always ends up comedic, even if I don't intend it to. Um, so, I mean, I've always, so I've, always, I've written sketches for a long, long time, but never done anything with them, just sort of collected them, you know, in a digital pile, um, because I never thought I could, I would be in them. I thought I'd write them for somebody else and then, you know, getting them to somebody else is the difficult bit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I always did that. And then I decided I would, I did decide to be a playwright. I was like, I'm going to be a playwright. That's what I'm going to do. Because um, I, I always fancied the idea of writing a book but I thought that was too much work <laughs> and plays are shorter. So I thought, oh, that's better. I'll do that. And also they don't have all that annoying description in them. They just, they're just dialogue. So, so I tried that, but all my plays were comedic as well. Um, not that that's a problem. People like them. Um, so that's kind of how I got into writing regularly, I suppose. Um, but I still was still writing sketches. I mean, plays, short plays are just long sketches in my view. Um, but still, I wasn't performing anything. Um, but the the real start of my being a comedian journey was doing an improv class, a drop-in improv, improv class, um, which I did because I thought I would hate it. <laughs> it was a put myself out, you know, it's the comfort zone thing, you know, what's really out of my comfort zone, improv, I would hate that. And obviously, I've loved whose line is it anyway. So, you know, wanted to in on the action. And uh, I went to it. I almost talked myself out of it several times, but I managed to get out the door and into it. And within five minutes, I'm like, this is amazing. This is the best thing ever. I absolutely love it. And that just gave me the confidence to think, yeah, maybe I can do this myself. Maybe I can 
go on stage and do stuff. So that, that was kind of the uh, catalyst, I suppose, improv. And then after that, you just, how, how did you get in touch with your first gig? Did you just go in the newspaper and say, my name no, is Ribs? I did it, I've me. done it all wrong. I've not done what, you know, everyone's, you know, the whole, do the open mic circus, blah, blah, blah. I didn't do that. Um, so I had, I had a bunch of sketches I'd already written. Um, so I did the improv class, decided, oh yes, maybe I can stand in front of people. And we did a, like an end of term showcase thing. And I thought if I can stand on a, a stage and make stuff up, live and perhaps I can do a sketch that I've already written that I know what's going to happen um so I met somebody I think I met her at improv and she had a similar silly sense of humor so I said let's do a sketch show together um like she's got some sketches I've got some sketches we'll just stick them together and we'll call it a show and she was like no it has to have a theme so let's make the theme animals so all of our sketches are animals so we would every 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 scene we're dressed in a different costume because I like making costumes. Um, so what we did was we just booked a hall and we just put a show on. Um, so that's how we started, and then we booked in various open mic nights to do just you know a sketch or two sketches. Um, we did two of those, and the second one was my our you know first die on your ass gig, and she went no that's it I'm never doing this again. The end. I was like, okay, that was just short-lived. Um, and we had a gig booked that weekend coming for, for um, an open spot at Ferguson Com Comedy Club. And I was like, oh, so now what? And then I booked that and it was in my name. And I don't think the um, promoter did it. He didn't really care what we were doing. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. So I wrote in, a, in five days, I wrote a 10-minute set of stand-up, having never done stand-up before, and went and did it to a pack room. And then decided, oh, no, OK, this is good. This is what I like. Um, so that's how it started. Yeah. Ah, and you, you yeah. got the buzz. I did. And what I like about stand up, I mean, I still I still love sketch, but sketch, you always got to rely on somebody, at least one other person. And having tried sketch and I've done sketch again with somebody else. And if they're not as enthusiastic as you, or of course, if they get stage fright, I don't want to do it anymore. But, you know, they're always relying on somebody else. I don't like that. Uh, that's, I find that very stressful. Whereas stand up, it's just you. You know, if it goes wrong, it's your fault. One of the things that I find quite interesting, sometimes I get people on a podcast that say you've got to focus on one thing. Some people say that you've got to focus on lots of different things. I think my, my, my view of that thing is if you work on a lot of different things, where if they're focused towards one thing, they can work quite well. Sometimes hmm. I found that I'll come up with an idea for something else that I'm working on whilst I'm not thinking about it. And do you yeah. have that effect with yourself? Like problems that you have in different areas get sorted out whilst you're working in another area? Um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I mean, a lot of, I find a lot of comedy writing happens when you're not actively doing it. You know, it's just happening. And so that's, and that is actually why sometimes having a, a sort of mindless job is quite good because you can be your brain's doing stuff while you're just you know doing whatever monotonous task it is because I used to have a job um I was a school taxi driver oh. and uh so there was a lot of sitting around waiting for kids and then being ignored by kids and <laughs> uh, <laughs> stuff like that but that was I quite liked it because I was because the school I, I had to um, go to was quite far away, so I had quite a long drive, which was just me in the car. So you can listen to podcasts or radio or think, 
and that was quite nice and I got quite a lot of writing done in my head then just driving and waiting but yeah ultimately I decided that was quite a waste of time because the oh. didn't pay for well, because it was one of those, it was a minimum wage thing and you didn't get paid for the first 15 minutes because you were on your way to work. You're like, but yes, but as soon as I get in the taxi, surely I'm at work. You know, those sort of things. And there was a lot of waiting outside schools that some of which wasn't paid. And you know, so in the end, I thought, this is stupid. I could be at home in pyjamas. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got the moderator, moderator job instead. Yeah. Mm. It's funny how people try and make money of little things you know they can try and skip their way around either they squeeze money out of you or they avoid paying you a bit more for little yeah. tight slight yeah i mean that is just really tight isn't it like oh well we get an extra half an hour out of these people for free by saying they're driving to and from work even though their job <laughs> is literally to drive a taxi hmm. so, yeah but because you do like an amalgamation of different things you run a comedy night as well don't you I do, yeah, yeah. It's only monthly, but yeah. Although that's fairly easy, I think. I don't know. I think it's yeah. I think I think running a gig monthly is way better. I mean, I only run one weekly gig now. When I used to run like four, three, four, it was just oh chaos with the admin, and it How was just you... yeah. I can't imagine. No. I think one gig a week is fine. But I think any other gig of, I run yeah. like monthly because otherwise it would just drive you mad. And it's just you, it's because you get so many messages at one time. And I used yeah. the thing about it was that it was a new material night. So I get tons of messages like last minute asking for this and that. And yeah. so it would just. Yeah, I think it's I, I don't do that anymore. So that. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. You've seen sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. Once a month is fine for me. And also because I'm running it in a small town. So there's just not enough. There's just not enough people there. I don't need to support more, like a weekly night or anything. And it's the worst thing I find it. I, I don't know if you think, but when you've when you've organised the night and you've put a lot of effort in, even however, even if it's only monthly, and then there's no one there, and it's just the worst thing, isn't it? If like four people turn up and you've got like six acts and four audience, and you think, oh, why have I done this? <laughs> mm. Just soul destroying. Yeah, sometimes I. I'll... So I won a gig in Epsom and mm. luckily enough, um, the, the venue have fantastic fan base. I don't know how they've done it, but they have a big word of mouth. I get in maybe a small percentage of that, but they get yeah. in a lot of others. So it's, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's, I've never had a venue like that. Most of the people I work with, they don't have that kind of relationship and, and they're more, more yeah. distant, but it, it's, yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's been an interesting ride with the Epsom venue, and yeah. it's something I've learned from uh, Nodding Dog. I, I, it's I, I'll send you a, a clip of that episode because that's a very good. Yeah, well, I, I, I did I did do a little bit of looking. I just didn't do any listening, which obviously is okay. stupid on the podcast. But I thought I was gonna. I thought oh, that'd be one I'd listen to. So, yeah, because he gave a lot of interesting insights on the the venues that work well and the ones mm. that don't. And I think that's a key thing as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the problem is, I think, is that, especially like pubs, they think, oh, we we'll get a comedy night to get some punters in. And that is the, you know, it's not going to have the opposite effect. They're not going to leave, but, well, some of them might. But um, yeah, and that's not helping you, is it? If As a promoter, you want to get, you want them to help you get punters in. And they're thinking you're going to do the same. 
and then sometimes the end result is no one's got any punters and then it's disaster yeah uh, we we also had a um brief discussion didn't we a while ago about promoting gigs and it's yeah we the, did i i like Facebook groups work to a degree, but I've, I've found a lot of weird ways of kind of work, like flowering works to a degree, like mm. it does get people in, even flying through letterboxes work. And I found yeah. that a lot of ideas that I thought didn't work have worked, whilst the ones that I think work haven't worked at all. Okay, which ones did you think would work, didn't work? Oh, I'll so stop doing those. Facebook <laughs> ads, Facebook ads. I've not quite yeah. figured out how to work them yet. And it's, it's, okay. it's not really brought me that much yet. But I've had a, had, had a chat with a few people. I'm not going to, I'll send you a name of someone who, who. Yeah. Well, I tried, because I tried Facebook ads. So when we did Fabian Fringe this year, we just did a weekend thing, because I thought if it gets cancelled from the pandemic and I've done a whole nine days, I'll just be depressed. Whereas if it's just a weekend, I'll probably get over it. <laughs> but we, it, all, it all ran anyway. Um, but because of the pandemic and people were probably people didn't really want to take flyers and I thought, well, it's not going to work. Um, I did Facebook ads and I, I felt that they worked, although I don't really know. I mean, we did have people come to the shows um, and the venue was a very out of the way place. So it wasn't there wasn't like um, passing trade or anything. But for my own show, I filled the room and I did my own Facebook advert and I feel that that's what did it. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, I think I think so. But you never really can tell, can you? Unless you interview each person individually and say, why are you here? You know, it's difficult to know, isn't it? You could do a shout out at the end. <laughs> yeah. You can't leave until you've told me. Well, I suppose you could do it. Why not? I mean, it is important information, isn't it, really? Yeah, I've, I ha what I do tend to do is I have a little chat with them, even a break at the break. Mm. Yeah. So when I have yeah. a, when I show, I have a break, I have a little chat yeah. with them saying, how are you doing? How are you enjoying the show? What have you thought about this? I just want to know, um, how did you guys hear about the night? Yeah. And then they tell you, oh, they either, oh, okay. Oh, oh, I'm surprised that worked. Well, thank you very much for coming through there. What was it that sort of attracted you? Yeah, that's a good idea. Because um, the, the com I had a comedy lock-in. That's my monthly night. Um, last last week, yeah, it was last week, and yeah, it was packed. And I was like, well, what have I done differently this month? So I'm thinking, well, there's been no flyers. I mean, I've plastered all over Facebook, but that's nothing new. Um, but I think actually it was sending it to the mailing list. I think a lot of because it's a it's a it's a bucket collection. It's not you know ticketed or anything. But I've been because it's quite a small venue. I've been saying you know if you want to reserve a seat, let me know. So I had a few emails reserving seats, but I think the, the thing that made the most difference, and I do not know why this worked, was on one of the posts I put on Facebook, I put comment below to reserve a seat. And quite a lot of people did, and they all came. And I thought, why did they, why could they not think that up on them? You know, I don't know why right, just writing that, but it did seem to be the clincher. And I thought that was odd. But, you know, oh, but, uh, I we had a full room and it was lovely. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> And with all the different things you do, so, I mean, when you're doing the Favisham French, like, what, what, what led to that, Ribs? Like, oh. you're running comedy shows? Well, what led, what to, led that? to that? Running shows. <laughs> so, I, well, it was when I was, when I was in my playwriting stage, I, um, I'd written a 15-minute, short 15-minute play, and it was put on, I'd sent it off to a few competitions, and it was put on by some, um, people in Bath Fringe 
which is a nice little small fringe, um, which I went to see it because, you know, need more validation. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is really cool. This is quite, because it bath, bath fringe is quite, it feels quite small and it's quite nice. And I thought, well, this is what Fabersham needs. A little, a nice little fringe. And because Fabersham has every year has a hot festival, so it's this massive beer festival basically. But there's no, there's no real, um, there's nothing but it's music and beer. That's, I mean, that's probably enough for most people. But um, I had this sort of idea that it would be really cool if in the pubs there could be like plays going on, like the um, old-fashioned mummers plays, which used to happen in pubs. Like you go in and there. So that was the idea. That isn't quite what happened. So um, I was chatting with a friend in, it was in the June of the year, first year we did it. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if Fabersham had a fringe? And then we had quite a few beers. And then by the end of the evening, we had decided that would happen. And three months later, we put one on. <laughs> and it was, it was fairly successful. It was just over a weekend and we had about 30 shows. Um, and even then most of them were comedy. Um, and it sort of went from there really. And then I've just, yeah, we've just done it every year since. So, do you do it yeah. at the same time as the beer we, and music? Well, we don't now. So, because we thought um, there'd be thousands of extra people in town, so we'll get them to come to the shows. They are not interested because those thousands of extra people just want to listen to bands and get drunk. They do not want to watch mad plays or people dressed up as praying mantises or people doing stand up they've never heard of. So, yeah, that didn't that didn't really work. We didn't really manage to drag anyone in to any show who hadn't specifically booked for it um so we i think then we'll think it might have been the next yeah the next year no i think we might have done two years at the same time as the amazon fringe uh, i mean uh hot fe uh, hot festival and then we were like no this isn't working so then we moved it to the week before so we finished the night before the hot festival started um uh, we did that a couple of times and now we've decided we're not even we're going to move away from the hot festival altogether because it was a real pain because the night if we finished the night before that meant we had to pack absolutely everything up and get out of the town centre that night because they blocked the whole town the town centre is pedestrianised for the whole fest whole, whole hot festival so then you can't get anything out so you have to so basically after a whole week of shows you've got to then stay up until god knows when you know taking equipment and everything and we're like oh, it's, it's no fun um, so now we're moving it to the October half term away from the hot festival entirely. So we'll see how that works. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, what's, what, what, how, how, what's the procedures you need to go to? Cause I, I spoke to someone on a podcast. She runs a mutiny comedy festival in San Francisco, but it's all in one mm. venue and mm. she just books a lot of spots. I mean, how, how like, do you do it? Well, that is what I did this year. Actually, I just had one venue, two rooms and it was, it was actually a joy it was so easy and I could be everywhere at all once you know I could because I, I staggered the show so I could get people into each show yeah it's quite that was quite good um but when it's lots of venues you need lots of volunteers basically so we had one year we had nine venues that was too many for the team we had <laughs> because I was I had a scooter <laughs> I'm just scooting around town between venues. Oh, I've got to go to the next one. Because, you know, because you're never quite sure if volunteers are going to turn up or not because they're volunteers, so you can't make them do stuff. And, yeah. Although one of the things I absolutely love doing is problem solving. So if something goes wrong, I almost actively want things to go wrong so that I can fix them, which is bad. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. It makes life exciting, doesn't it? You should do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. 
they say that, that that's part of the thing that makes Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu addictive because it's set up in a way where you have to try and submit the other person and it's a problem yeah. solver. You have to try and, how do I get him in this lock so I can do this? And oh. they say it's like playing a game. Yeah. Like, like, like Tetris or whatever, you, you're for, oh, okay. forever trying Human to figure Tetris. it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I think probably that would be a bad idea given that the only time I've tried martial arts, I did judo and ended up having my arm pinned. So, oh. And my family call me the Hand of Doom because I'm incredibly clumsy. <laughs> that would be a good wrestler name, wouldn't it, actually? <laughs> Hand of Doom. It's a, great, it's a great name for a fighter, the Hand of Doom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we could have it now. Ribs Norman, welcome in the red corner, fighting out of Favisham, Kent. We have the Hand of Doom. Yeah. Ooh. Boom. Yeah, Ooh. and then I break a bone, and that'd be the end. <laughs> <laughs> Who will break first? Well, we all know. Yeah, she's been stretched <laughs> off as we speak. She hasn't even got in the ring. She's fallen upstairs. <laughs> oh, we have a sketch ribs. Yeah, <laughs> that's how sketches are born. <laughs> so, how how does the what does it take to run a festival like how how much sort of work goes into it i'm sure there's lots um, of legal things and um well actually that sort of thing's not too bad because as long as you've got like pub, you've got to have public liability insurance but um most if you use venues that are like pubs and stuff then they usually they cover the licensing of the music and things like that or if, if you use theaters so that side of things not too difficult um it's just a lot it's just being very organized basically I mean, I worked out one year, I'd probably do about 200 hours of admin to get the festival together. But that's including doing all social media as well. So, you know, I mean, pretty much one of the years I did, apart from the volunteers getting, checking tickets and stuff, I did all of it myself, just me. So, um, and I did that this year, but that was only, because it was only three days. So it wasn't, that wasn't that bad. I even ran the bar some of the time during this one, this oh, one. Nice. which wasn't intentional, but the bar staff didn't turn up. So I'm like, okay, so now I'm opening the venue, running the bar and getting people into two shows at the same time. Marvellous. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yes. <laughs> it, yeah. so, is it, is it a simple? what's the process is it simply just going into just saying, I'm going to call the name of this comedy event and you get permission from different venues and then is that mostly it or uh, well the way i the way we run Favisham fringe is that um we program the shows into the venue so the um acts don't get to choose they can say where they'd like to go but we choose where they go um so i mean there is a bit of uh, i suppose that bit's quite tricky because you get the acts to apply tell you when they're free you know when they want to perform and then so they'll give a whole range of dates and times and then you've got the venues and you know what size the venues are and what sort of people will be good in it. So there, there's matching those up can be quite difficult and there's lots of post-it notes at that stage, although that's quite fun. Um, so that I suppose that bit's quite tricky. Um, but then you, yeah, you've got to work with the venues so they understand what the deal is and what they, what they need to do, which is generally, they're never really very helpful and they never really promote anything. Well, they do, they like, I mean, they give us the space and everything, but they quite often don't really promote it very much. It's, it seems to be quite hard to get venues to really promote things, I find, generally speaking, just 
whatever oh. the thing is, you know. That seems to be quite a common thing, though, even for just comedy nights like in pubs. I went to one recently just as an act, and they were like, we were like, well, where's the audience? They're like, oh, the regulars kept taking the posters down. <laughs> really? Why? <laughs> yeah, why? And is that true, or did you just not put any up? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's it, yeah. I think that's it, yeah. I'm not going to name names or anything. Um, but, yeah. I mean, sometimes you get a venue who's really who's really into the whole thing and they help you and promote it and everything, and that's great. But um, and especially since you think about the venues are getting the they're nearly always getting the money for the across the bar, so it's beneficial to them to have these shows in their space. But yeah, hmm. yeah, but they don't. I think is one of the things being that a lot of pubs are now sort of franchised in a way. And they're not owned by owners, one of the biggest things, because they're like managers. And to an extent, yeah. as it's not their baby, they don't really care as much. I think you've hit the nail on the head, really, actually. Because, yeah, they and, you know, they might be young, dynamic managers, but then they are just managing a pub at the end of the day. They just want to go home afterwards. It's not their, they're not living upstairs. You know, they're not living landlords. And, yeah, I think that's probably the, the difference, to be honest. And then they've got a lot of young bar staff who are just doing shifts as and when. So they're not really invested in it either. So, yeah, that might be it. They're just doing that. Now, um, so you'd say that possibly, so the ad is setting a festival. The biggest thing is, it's just that it takes a lot of time get getting the acts and the the shows yeah the work well. well getting the acts that's not so difficult like the first year obviously no one knew who we were and we mostly filled it with people we knew and um oh and i know like, the first year to get acts i just i managed to find uh a twitter list of edinburgh form edinburgh performers and a few other festivals that somebody had made so i just directly <laughs> tweeted all of those people saying we're doing a festival in Faversham, and that's how i got a few um, acts. So we had Jen Brister that first year. Oh, that was cool. Oh, cool. Um, so I like to say that I found her, obviously. But obviously, that's a lie. Um, so we got a lot. So that's how we got acts. But then obviously, word of mouth went throughout the you know um, comedy circuit. So now we get people coming to us. So now finding the acts isn't difficult. I put a call out and we get enough to fill. Although maybe next year that won't be as easy because next year we'll have a lot of slots because when I've, we're doing nine days next year. Well, that's the plan. Oh, that's the plan. Good. We'll see. But I'm not going to do any daytime slots for comedy. I've decided because they just don't work in in the in Faversham. It's just not big enough. So does does um are you going to allow comedians to do a whole show from the beginning to the end, or do they only get a couple of dates? Uh, I don't think Faversham. No, because we don't. We let people have a couple of. I think the most we've had is let people do a run of three shows because it's just not it's a small town and although obviously people can come from outside it's just not it's it's not edinburgh it's not big enough it, you know it's, it's a really small town um so yeah i wouldn't i don't let people do more than that because they're just they're just gonna have one really good show and a couple of maybe one mediocre and then one with three people in it and you know what's the point really i think yeah there's this i've seen it in um it's is, is edinburgh like apart from maybe the Australian comedy festivals and maybe New Zealand, is Edinburgh the only one that offers you more than a couple or three dates to perform? Um, I think it might be, really, yeah. 
because Brighton, most people only do a few dates, don't they? They don't go and say, I'm doing Brighton and then live there for a month. That'd be mad. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah, Edinburgh is quite unusual, really. But everyone thinks of festivals and thinks, what do you do at Edinburgh? That's what we should do. But it doesn't just doesn't translate to... I think that's I think that's the thing with um, regional festivals. People expect them to be like mini Edinburghs, but they can't be because that many people don't suddenly move to the town for a month. Uh, you know, no. So just it's not the same. Yeah, it's just like, it's generally just locals. Um, yeah. One of the things that I found quite interesting is that. Uh, do you? So you said that before that you're, uh, would you, you classify yourself more of a showman and a, sort of a, a festival comic? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. What? How do you compare? What would you say is the main thing that you enjoy about being a festival comic rather than just being a circuit comic? You mentioned it already with the bit where you're saying that I don't have to try and appease. You know, they, I get my own audience at a festival. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, because I, I like I want to build a. Oh, that's going to sound egotistical. Fan base, but you know, you want to build a. You do want to build a fan base of people who specifically like your kind of humour, because there's nothing better than performing to a room that loves everything you say. Is it? <laughs> I mean, everybody wants that, don't they? I mean, it's just amazing. Um, so I suppose that's that's why really, and also I like to do. I like to. I'm, I mean, I've only done. I've done one show. One proper show myself by myself and then before that I'd done split shows and I really enjoyed the process of putting together a show that had a you know an arc through it and and so I'm writing my next one now obviously not right now I'm talking to you <laughs> um but yeah so I like the idea of that I like the idea of doing a, a different show every year and I think that that appeals more than just I, I could not imagine anything worse than having a 10 a 10 minute set or a 20 minute set that i did every night for the rest of eternity i think i just want to top myself couldn't be bothered and i know that's doing it wrong that's doing circuit comedy wrong you're supposed to get a solid 10 you know get a solid five except that doesn't count if you don't live in london we get tens so haha um <laughs> but yeah get your solid 10 and then take that round and do that and I think oh just I mean that I the 10 that I used to do I'm so bored of it now I do it occasionally because it's quite good for like it's just quite family friendly so those gigs they get they get that but I, I often think when I'm doing it I'm going nah, 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 in my head because I know it so well I'm just bored of it but obviously people who've never heard it before which is most people like it but I still just I'd rather try new things and then think oh that was cool you know so I don't know. I don't know. I've gone off on a tangent again. And how many shows do you do a year to like build a like a build a final show? How often do you take it out? Because you mentioned before that you did a show earlier. Yeah, well, I've only done this one twice actually because I wrote it. Well, I wasn't planning to write one for Faversham Fringe because it was only three days. I was like, oh, I'll just I'll just run the fringe. That's enough. You know, I'll go. I'll be on one of the compilation shows. Just do ten minutes. That's enough because I'm I'm gonna be a bit busy just doing this whole thing and then um a couple of friends i do i write with 
they were like, no, you've got to do it. You can't run a festival and not put a show in. What is the point? That's the point of putting a festival on, isn't it? And isn't that why you started it? And I'm like, well, yeah, it was originally, but I don't need to do one. And they're like, come on, you've got 30 days. You can write a show. And I'm like, <laughs> so then I wrote a show and it was my plan was just to chuck all of the material I already had in and sort of try and stick it together somehow. And then that would be that would be a show. Um, but then I was like, no, that's just not good enough, is it? That's just that's just that's be just crap. I mean, it wouldn't be crap, but it wouldn't be. A, it's not a show, is it? It's just every you know, sort of info dump of comedy. Um, so I started, I started thinking about what what title I could have, which is probably not the right way around to do things. Like have nothing and think of a title, <laughs> and then I thought of a title, and then I was like. Oh, yeah because I could do loads of stuff about that and then I just wrote a show based on that title and it was about that subject and, that, and it was great but I've only done that out I've only done that twice now I did that my fringe and then I did it in Canterbury recently because I've got the idea for the next one and I kind of want to get on with that but then I feel like I'm abandoning this one which seems a bit stupid but um a friend said to me the other day well you're not abandoning it are you because it still exists you haven't set fire to it you can do it again some other time you don't have to go, you know, you're not saying, you're not cremating it. It's it's still going to happen. It can still happen again, you know. You just don't have the energy for it. You, you're more excited by the other one. I am. And the other one, but the other one's quite high stakes. Uh, it's something I wanted to do for a long time. And I've put it off because it is high stakes. So I don't know. The easy option would be to just keep doing the one I've just written. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's tricky i just need to make myself do it I think. Yeah. it is funny though isn't it the the show stuff because i had julia masley on and she spoke mm. about how she had some idea in a shop with a friend and then her and the duncan brothers from the period edinburgh was doing a show on legs and it just gathered steam through each yeah. show it was originally just two people but then people started talking about it and it increased 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 and then she got yeah. malcolm hardy out of it and lots of opportunities come as a result of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the other thing is, if you do shows at festivals, quite often it's not that many people have seen it. So that show that I've just done, um, I suppose how many people have seen it now? Only about 40 people, really, which is nothing, is it? In, in, considering how many people are in the world. So it's kind of stupid not to do it <laughs> some more because it's a lot of effort that goes into that. And then you think, oh, it's like, so, yeah. I mean, I keep sort of toying with the idea of doing something, some kind of online thing or something. But I mean, is that a bad idea? I don't know. Is it? Will anyone watch it? That would be Have terrible. If no one did. <laughs> but you know, if no one watched it, then so what? Then there's nothing. It, what's the problem? Well, it's funny you say that. I ran a heckless show and an improv show. And one of the <laughs> things that was quite interesting on Facebook is that comedians would share it. And then a lot of people, you know, gain interest in it and watch it. And mm. if you're doing an online show and you, it's, e it's easy to share an online video with people and the comedians are part of it, you get yeah. pe people interested that you never thought would be interested. I mean, I'm not going to spend ages going to a special studio and having it videoed, you know, at high quality. Or I mean, I won't do it totally crappily either, but um, yeah, maybe that's an option. But this, the show that I want to do is, yeah. I just need to get on with it. I've been talking about it for like, I don't know, years now. Okay. So, 
one thing I want to say is, are you scratching the table? Because I'm starting to. Oh, sorry, I'm fidgeting. Cause I'm a, I'll stop fidgeting with that. That's oh, okay, okay. I fidget okay. with something less noisy. Sorry. <laughs> I was just testing. I have to fidget to remain focused. Otherwise, I'll I'll just start looking out the window. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I've, I've changed to something that's not noisy. <laughs> now, I mean, you're in a unique position in in some respects because you're. Um, effectively you you get to see things from all different sides like most comics only get to see it from a certain point of view and they don't mm. they don't see the full picture but because you're a festival organizer you're a comedy promoter as well you put your own shows on you're a comedian you get to see things from different angles and does that in what way does that help you and you must have some really strange applications and s funny situations that you've encountered. Okay, how, what does it? How does it help me? Well, I suppose just knowing how things work is is helpful. Um, but and not that you asked this, but in a way that it doesn't help is that you kind of it's very easy to put down your own achievements because you know that you only got a certain slot or whatever because you know that person that, and people go, oh, it's amazing you were on that gig. And you're like, yeah, but I know them. That's why I was on that gig. It's nothing to do with me being funny or anything. You know, you know what I mean? Or you'll see somebody's posts and they're doing something and people go, oh, that's amazing they're doing that. And you think, well, actually, that isn't that impressive because it's pretty easy to get on there and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. <laughs> it's easy to sort of downplay things when you know how things work. So I suppose that sort of spoils the magic a bit, maybe. Ah, yeah. yes, yeah. I've spoken to. I, I yeah. This is something I've spoken, and this is from a comic who's all the way in New Jersey. He says when he's getting applications and someone's sending a video from like Broadway comedy at a bringer show, and they put it as a big thing. He's like, "Come on, I know what happens there. You've just gone on a bringer show and you're posting a video." Like, yeah, yeah. It's like people with um hot water videos, I guess. You know, you. You can get on hot water if you want to go up to Liverpool and do five minutes for free. You know, that's how you get that video. But it looks impressive to people who don't know who are outside the comedy circuit. So, yeah. yeah. I just can't be bothered to go to Liverpool, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> it's very far away. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, when I started uh, being a promoter, I always said that I'm going to apply to everyone. Because you know when you apply tonight, or so if you get into competitions or whatever, and they don't tell you if you've not got in, they basically, you know, don't hear from us, but, you know. And I always think with competitions especially, they must have a database of people who have entered. It's not hard to send an email to the people who didn't win, saying you have not won. That's not difficult, is it? And then now I'm a promoter, I do exactly the same. I don't tell people, because if you tell people you're not going to book them for a spot. They want to know why, and then you have to tell them why. And no, I just can't do it. Because some people are just not good. <laughs> just. And not only that, the biggest thing about it is people lose their shit sometimes. And they'll, yeah. you, you don't, yeah, you, you, the, the thing you're going to get back isn't going to be good. Yeah, and well, and sometimes somebody will send you a video and they're not very good. And you think no, that's not because because um, my my night, although it's uh, it's unpaid and it's um it's not ticketed or anything, I do sort of curate the lineup so that I know that it's gonna I'm not gonna accidentally book one night of everybody's terrible, you know. Um, so I I watch the videos, and sometimes you'll see someone's video and you'll think no, that's not no either it's not funny or it's not from you know it's not right for the night, and then 
you might see them six months later on the stage somewhere and they'd be amazing. And if you emailed them and said, no, you're not funny, give up, you'd, <laughs> you know, who am I to say? So yeah, just sometimes yeah. they're just, and some, I might not find them funny, but loads of other people might find them funny because I'm not, you know, comedy is a very subjective thing. And yeah. things that I find funny, uh, maybe a lot of people don't. Yes, yeah, definitely. I think, um, but I, I definitely, me as a promoter, I have my own sort of taste. I like acts that are a bit different, a bit wacky and a bit quirky. I, I don't yeah. like comics that are all sort of pullback reveal or rule of three. I Because mm. I see so much comedy, I get quite bored of that. But some yeah. other promoters like that sort of thing. Whilst yeah. for me, I, I don't mind a bit of that, but it has to be really good for me to be to to like it yeah and you don't want a whole lineup of that and a lot of um a lot of applications are very similar sorts of things so you have to try and choose yeah you want some quirky ones in the mix don't you so often you'd be rejecting quite a lot of people who are probably okay but you can't have six probably okay people it's not going to be a very dynamic night is it so yeah it's a bit stale and what i tell you what the most difficult thing is though is when there's local acts who you see all the time because the Kent circuit is very small. Um, you see the same people all the time, and once they once you run a night, that's it. They're constantly accosting you. you go, can I have a time? Can I have a spot on your night? And you just really don't want them on my night. And eventually, you just have to give in because otherwise, they're just going to ask you forever. So then, I I hope they're not listening to this. They probably will. Um, I'm not going to name names, so it's okay. But you know, you'll give them a spot because then you think at least then they can't bother me for six months. Because I have a kind of, yeah, you can't come back ah. for a few rule. <laughs> so, yeah. just It's just difficult, isn't it? And I, I find as well, as as an act, um, I don't know why, but if I, if I go to a comedy night as an act and I'm sitting in the audience, most of the comedians seem to deliver their material to me. I must have a face that says, please, I'm very supportive. <laughs> but I also have a face that says exactly what I think. And that's not good. <laughs> I don't like funny. I'm just ruining this night for you. Those people think you're hilarious. Tell them. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm bad at that. I'm I'm someone that has to. If I'm not performing, I have to bring like a coffee with me or something. Because a couple of times it's been late and I've been quite tired, and some people put me right in the front row. I've been really tired and I've fallen asleep sometimes. Oh my god. I, I, I'm not big. I, I don't know why it happened. I'm sorry. Oh, no. oh that, must be, that would be so destroying. I went. I did a comedy night over there, and there's a bloke asleep in the front row. Yeah, that was depressing. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I, I'm. I really apologise. <laughs> Twice this happened, and I had. It wasn't that you weren't funny. I just. <laughs> yeah, I, there's not really anything I can say to that situation. Just make sure I sit in the back and get coffee. <laughs> I'm not a good audience member, definitely. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Right. And also, if you're a comedian, it's difficult to be a good audience member. I mean, I'm often, and I'm not the kind of person to heckle, as I hate hecklers. We all hate hecklers. But if there's, if it's somebody you know and they're trying out new material, you can kind of see an angle and something they're saying. It's really hard not to go and shout something out, like to be helpful, which wouldn't be helpful. Obviously, it would be very disruptive. Um, but it's difficult not to be thinking. Oh, that's quite clever. Or, 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 what if they thought of this? Which isn't, you know, what the, they want the audience to do. They just want the audience to think they're hilarious, which is fair enough. That is the that is the goal. But um, mm. if you've got comedians sitting in the audience, they're not the same. That's why I don't understand bringer nights because you're just playing to a load of comedians, and often their mates who are also comedians. 
it's yeah. not they're not normal people are they they're, it's uh, not yeah and also the the friends they're bringing in it's 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 not necessarily a real real atmosphere because they're friends of the community so they don't want to be rude mm. but at the end of the day it's um yeah people people will push as far as they can to they'll take advantage if they can and i think the big problem in london is people have allowed it happen and other promoters think oh that's acceptable i can get away with it so i'll keep doing it well and but it's also there's a lot of comedy nights and perhaps not that much demand from the actual audience that's the problem so well i had uh, so i run one new material night and mm. only charge a pound for people to get in and, and does some, that help getting punters in charging rather would, than not charging so the slight improvement before when i used to run a free night is that the dropout is a bit less not a lot but I'd say a noticeable difference compared to when I did it free. Okay. Yeah. But there are some nights where I get maybe seven people in, or some nights I get 20, some nights I get um, 40. But every night's been good, and it's slowly okay. getting better. But the thing yeah. that I don't like is when someone starts trying to charge me fees for a night where I only charge a pound. I've made it a new material night, and I'm trying to advertise it, and I put that those fees into trying to promote it, getting flyers, getting all those equipment, mm -hmm. and it's barely covering my expenses. So one yeah. night I made only about five pounds, and yeah. then someone's asking me to pay their expenses as well, and it's a bit. Oh, the axe are. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, they try to manipulate me to say, "Oh, you're trying to say you're getting money." Yeah. You're a nice person. And you're getting this on the door, but I'm barely making any money to pay myself. And isn't it if you're if I'm if I start paying you with that, then other people are going to ask me, and I'm going to yeah. be in a silly situation where I'm going to have to pay twenty, thirty pound, but I'm not making any money myself, and I'm losing money every night, and I can't yeah, why are you even doing it? advertise it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, it's like bucket split nights with a bucket split. I just as an act, I'd rather not have five, four pounds. I mean, it just doesn't seem worth it. I'd rather just go and do it free you know then get three quid or something which yeah. <laughs> feels like it just sort of slap around the face isn't it you know pocket money i don't know yeah you uh, know. but you've got to look at i think the big problem is i think promoters go one way too far and they mm. take advantage of acts and acts try and try and take advantage of promoters who are yeah right and i that, mean yeah nice if if a night's ticketed and yeah then then it's a different matter because it's not fair then for the acts not to be getting paid if there's tickets changing you know proper i mean i'm not talking about a pound i mean proper ticket prices and then you're like hang on a minute this is a ticketed gig and no one's getting paid what's going on here yeah so. i heard a situation in new jersey where well new york yeah new jersey where the guy pays makes 500 pound per night and the acts only get paid in food. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What have you had any um, strange things when you're running the festivals? Do you see anything that makes you go, what the hell? Have you? I mean, you must have had some things that made you question your sanity or things that have shocked you. Like, <laughs> um, we did have one chap who did improv and he did 
he was doing solo improv, which is an interesting thing. And he did, he had two shows, two different shows, but they were both just him <laughs> doing improv. I mean, I suppose every show is different when you do improv. Maybe that was his thing, but he called them different things. Um, yeah, and he didn't get anyone into them. So the one show he did to the volunteers doing the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently it was just really, obviously, really incredibly awkward. Because <laughs> you've only got one person to give you any suggestions. <laughs> and they can't leave because they're the ticket person. They're not actually want to see your show. So, yeah, that was a bit odd. Yeah, that was a bit peculiar. Um <laughs> There's some acts that I know that have incredible crowd work and improvisation skills. So mm. if you like the quirky acts like Gatsis Candice, you've seen him Britain's Got Talent and he does a standard set. But what I find really funny about him is when he doesn't do that and starts interacting mm. with the crowd, that his crowd work is absolutely amazing. I've never seen anything yeah. like it. And then there's, do you know Joseph Murphy or Mr. Spooky? No, I don't know. He is, I, I don't, he's so, he's, He's so bloody talented, this guy. He's he's very he. I remember he put some YouTube video a while ago, just him doing single ladies, and it got viral. And, yeah. But he, once he gets viral, he's not pushed on further it, and then he um. He's able to improvise off anything. So if you give him a whole scene, I don't know how it works, but he can do ten minutes improvisation on audience suggestions, just him. And wow. make it absolutely hilarious. I don't know how he does it, but it's it's, it's just he's very. He has no. I don't have any filter. No filter, yeah, no filter. But he is like me tenfold, and yeah, he's yeah. He has no limits, and he does anything, and he's yeah. He's got a gift, but he doesn't seem to realize what it is. He, yeah. yeah, it's incredible. That sounds good, actually. Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing with improv. You've just got to not have a filter. That and that's yeah. That's the key, really. I booked him in for my Epsom night, and because he noticed that it was quite um, burly, strong, like ooh, what they make, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, he he drank like four, five, six pints of beer, wow. and then when he went <laughs> on stage, he started saying, "Football's coming home. It's coming home," and he says, "Right, yeah, I'll improvise on anything you guys say." Whilst playing the football's coming home song, okay. <laughs> and then the guy tells him to do Donald Trump, and he did it, and it was absolutely amazing. He, he, I mean, he did brilliantly. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. I suppose, and you never know what he's going to do. That's the joy of it, I suppose. Yeah, he does a lot of puns as well, like cheesy hmm. puns on top of it. But yeah, he's he's an incredible act, but he doesn't know how good he is. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite that's quite joyful though, isn't it? Actually, some an act that isn't um, it's not isn't it's sort of lack of ego, not knowing how good you are. Really, that's quite refreshing. <clears throat> so a lot of acts think they know how good they are, and it's yeah, not <laughs> they think they're better than they are generally. Mm, it is, he, he, and he can't even look anyone in the eye. Like he's he's yeah. always really like this, and then you see him do all these crazy things on stage, and it's like, my god! <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. That sounds really good. I'll, yeah, trust me, ribs. If you see like Gatsis, like Valerio, Joseph, like they, they're very quirky but brilliant acts, and when when they're on their day, they are something else. Yeah, I'll have to have a look into them. Yeah.
that sounds good I'm going to improv tonight I've had quite a few weeks off because I've been doing some other stuff so I'm quite excited about that yeah, we just nice. yeah we just muck about once a week but uh, yeah it's, it's nice. a good bit of fun yeah although I'm never quite sure about improv shows because I don't know I always find that improv shows are quite feel a bit sort of self-indulgent somehow because you're never quite you know you're never sure if they're going to be good or not because you can't tell again you don't know what's going to come out no. <laughs> you get up there but that's quite but doing a show like that is quite fun because you don't have to there's no lines to learn there's no point getting nervous because there's nothing to you know you can only you need to be relaxed to be able to say mad stuff so and there's always that danger that someone's going to say something incredibly inappropriate so that's quite exciting <laughs> mm. Yeah. But part of it that people give a bit of leeway if they think it's not rehearsed. So that's one. Yes. Yeah, yeah there, that is true, actually. Yeah. And you can just close end the scene when somebody says something terrible. No, that's the end of that. Then. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you know, with stand up, that person said that about 100 times and they're still saying it somehow <laughs> for some mm. reason. Yeah. The, the thing that surprises me is when it doesn't get a laugh and people still and they still keep saying yeah. And you're like, they're still not funny. Why are you still doing that? Yeah. But then you see that. If you see the same acts all the time, you think, why Why are you still doing that? And then you think, you can't give them people notes because most people don't like it. So yeah. you just have to. But you, if you see an act often enough, I, you know, you, you start thinking that bit would be so much better if they just did this. But I can't tell them because they probably won't appreciate it. Yeah, so they'll hate you. I will just suffer every time I see them. <laughs> yeah. No. Maybe you could send anonymous. Is there a way to do that? Like send anonymous notes somehow. How would you send an anonymous note? See, that's the problem with online. You can't send anonymous notes. Well, I suppose you could set up a fake profile. <laughs> you set up a <laughs> comedy critic profile and just send, oh, this could be a thing. And you could send messages to people having seen them and going, yeah, saw your act last night. Could you just change this? It'd be amazing. And then never yeah. say who you are. Yeah, just pretend to, to be an audience. Yeah, just pretend to be an audience member. And probably no one would, and also none of the comedians would ever admit to it because they wouldn't want to admit they'd had some feedback, like um, critical feedback, and that someone's helped them with the joke. So they would never want to admit that. So this person could, this person could go un unknown. Obviously, you now I've blurted it all out on a podcast, so I've ruined it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, oh. that'd be quite cool. Maybe I'm going to do that because there's so many I want to say something to, but I think, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. uh, that, that would be quite a thing like yeah could be the secret like you know like a secret shoppers but mm -hmm. yeah, it'd be like that. it'd be a, like a much kinder like uh steve bennett um review basically only directly to the person in secret hmm. yeah one thing though i mean it, if i ever get reviewed for a show i mean i'll, I'll if anyone gives me an option i'd much rather not know that they're there so that i do my best for the audience oh yeah yeah because otherwise you're going to give the whole show to them yeah that'd be terrifying although i find i don't know about you i find that i accidentally fixate on somebody and then i just some, somehow give them all of the <laughs> like if i'm doing a spot um like last week i just seemed to give all of the 10 minutes to this one guy <laughs> just looked horrified the whole time because I did loads of stuff about 
I don't know, menopause and stuff like that. And he was quite young. <laughs> you probably think, why? Like, there's loads of women in here who are old. Tell them. Why are you telling me? Yeah, you know, I just kept drawing, kept drawing my eyes. So he got <laughs> well, at least he now knows. <laughs> yeah, and exactly, he will be. Yeah, he's much more informed <laughs> for the future. <laughs> one thing that would be interesting is after you did all that and say, "So now, good sir, you're you're informed, aren't you? And what are your thoughts?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see if he comes back next month. We'll frighten him off completely. <laughs> hmm. Now, with so a question that I'd like to ask on that: Who were comics that you feel uh, like what I've said about Joseph Murphy that are underappreciated that are you think are absolutely amazing that don't know how good they are? And um, what have you noticed about shows that have done well at your fringe? Festival? Okay, well, comedians <clears throat> that I think should be doing a lot better. Katie Pritchard. She's, um, do you know Katie Pritchard, musical yeah. comedian? Yeah. Brilliant. She should, she should be up there. I don't understand why she isn't. She, I mean, maybe she is secretly doing something behind the scenes as she's suddenly going to burst on the telly, but she should be everywhere. She is hilarious. I just, yeah, absolutely love her. Uh, I don't, it's just, yeah. She came to, she did, um, was it the first Famishing Fringe? I think so. Yeah. She did the first Farishton Fringe and she had flu. I didn't know her at all. Um, I'd emailed her a bit. Um, she said she wanted a venue in the stage because she's so short, which when I met her, I was like, oh yeah, you are. Um, <laughs> and she did her show and it was crazy. And I was compelled to go up and hug her. And I'm not a hugger. I really don't like touching people at all, but I just thought she was so amazing. I was like, wow. Um, so Katie Fritchell's one. I think who else? Um, hmm. Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Let me let me let that percolate, and I'll come back to it. What was the other question? What do you think of um, what do you notice in terms of shows that do well at the Favonshim Shim in terms of audience reaction and getting them in? Um, well, getting them in it shows a flyer. I mean, but I mean, maybe not this year with nobody flying, but um, in other years, it shows that make the effort who get people in. It's people, we get people who turn up and then they're like, oh, I haven't got any audience. You think, well, you didn't even send any flyers. You haven't made, even put a poster up. You've just relied on being in the brochure. That's not really enough. That's why, because, you know, when you're reading through a brochure, even if there's only 100 shows, people have still got to choose which show to go to and your blurb makes no sense whatsoever and you've done nothing to promote the show so what do you expect so people yeah people are quite good at marketing basically you put the effort in those are the shows that work um but i suppose shows that are really good i don't know really um i mean basically if you get more people in your show it doesn't really matter how bad your show is it's going to go better because it's just it's you know the numbers game really isn't it if you have no one, it's hard to do a brilliant show because it's people don't like to laugh on their own. It's no. just awkward. So um yeah, I think that's it really. Yeah. It's about it's about marketing. And I don't know, I mean I think like you were saying, you like quirky people, so do I. That's so that's why Katie Pritchard's show I just thought was amazing, because it was just mental. It was just <laughs> you never knew what was gonna happen next. 
but that's the kind of comedy I like. So like, I love Tony Law, and he's a bit like that as well. You're like, what is happening? <laughs> this man is on his head. Um, and I suppose that's, yeah, I like that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not much of a fan of compilation shows at festivals, really. I think they probably work in Edinburgh because people go to them to see, oh, that person was funny, I'll go and see their full show. But in a small festival where those people haven't got a full show, I don't know. Mm, you be saying this, I'll probably get no shows at all next year. They're like, that woman's awful. <laughs> I'm going in a festival. Oh, oh. <laughs> would they, um, would, would it... Does, does the compilation show sort of work in Leicester Comedy Festival, Brighton Fringe, or any of the others? Um, I suppose, I suppose the they do. Ones. I don't know, really. I mean, I suppose it is a way as well to do a festival without jumping into a show. And then maybe some people don't want to write full shows. I don't know. I mean, for me, that, that seems to be a sensible thing to do, to write a show. But maybe it's just I just want more stage time. <laughs> if you write your own show, you get the whole time to yourself with no one else. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Just to me. Exactly. Just the two of us, we can make it well, for my audience. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. You don't you should, shh. <laughs> don't speak. Yeah, I don't I don't do any audience interaction. It's not that's not something I enjoy at all. All my questions on the stage are rhetorical. I don't want any feedback. Oh, okay. What's my name, Ribs? <laughs> huh? What's my name, Ribs? <laughs> yeah. So, what? Yeah. Uh, so, I've got three, three last questions to ask. Um, mm -hmm. What has been the biggest crazy moment you've had in comedy? Uh, what, what things do you dislike about? What, what do you? What's your pet pet peeve with, with comedy? and what comedy's performing and what is comedy giving you and how do people get in touch with you okay that's four things all right i'll have forgotten all of them i meant to do the first one forgotten what that was already what was it <laughs> what has been your biggest what the f moment okay um uh well i suppose i suppose well uh, yeah i suppose this is this is Thing. this was quite a pivotal moment as well for various reasons so I was doing um there's this thing down here called the uh, private widow uh, social club it's a sort of cabaret night in deal in a theater and it's a it's quite a crazy cabaret night they often have burlesque and all stuff like that so it's all sorts of things variety and that was when we had done I'd done one sketch show and we were in that and we were, yeah we were going on we were backstage getting ready we're doing a sketch we're dressed as seagulls <laughs> okay and we're going to go on stage and the act we are following is a woman who is dressed as a cow with udders made of uh, rubber gloves that spray milk so she is doing some kind of weird burlesque <laughs> burlesque um routine spraying milk from these udders on the stage which we then have to go onto which is not cleaned we're in we're in yellow socks because that's like um seagull legs obviously and uh so yeah we go on and our feet are all wet and we're like what what are we doing and uh yeah and then the audience 
<laughs> just sort of sat there and looked at us while we did the whole sketch. <laughs> Didn't, yeah. It wasn't that, yeah, that was kind of dying on stage dressed as a seagull. But it wasn't, that wasn't that bad. The problem is that theatre, it's a really high stage, like it's, it's really high to the ground. It's like a um, sort of six or eight foot off the ground. So the audience are all sat down on tables. It's like cabaret style. <clears throat> so they're quite far away. So you can't really hear them. And we had people in the audience who said, no, people were laughing. But to us, it was just tumbleweed. So we did this whole sketch, the tumbleweed, with wet feet from milk, from a woman cow, madness. Yeah, and that was that was probably my, my what the fuck moment. But that was the moment that made my friend decide not to do sketch and to stop doing stage stuff that made me take the step to stand up. So it was very pivotal. <laughs> a pivotal mad moment. Yes, that one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, what what um, what's uh, well that's that's brilliant um and, but what and what are your pet peeves with comedy um pet peeves oh so many things um <laughs> People, promoters who want to book open spots and want the, one of the open spots to drive the headliner. So they're only booking you because you're a driver. I think if you're oh. going to do comedy, learn to drive. I think that's key. Unless you know you can't drive for some medical reason, learn to drive. Don't expect to be a headliner and not drive anywhere unless you are, I don't know, Michael McIntyre. He's probably got a driver. That's okay. <laughs> but if you're below that level, you know, get in a car. I don't want to drive anyone. I do not like talking to people um, in a car. I'm obviously talking to you, but you're far away. <laughs> so it's okay. Um, that's one pet peeve. I suppose another one is, uh, well, I think this is probably a pet peeve for many people. Young male comics talking about wanking. I don't care. I'm not interested. On stage, mm. there are so many of them. Why do they think we want to know about this? Why do they want us to think of them doing that? I don't understand. <laughs> well, that, yes. Stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Do it at home if you want to, but don't tell us about it. <laughs> it's a solo experience. <laughs> Sharing is not caring. <laughs> Oh, that's that's that may upset them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and um, how was how was how what what do you love about comedy? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. What do I not love about comedy? I, I I just love comedy. All I'm thinking about all the time is comedy. I just I love making people laugh. That's all I want to do. Basically, I just bringing some joy to someone's life i mean why wouldn't you want to do that it's just brilliant it's just yeah it's just a great thing that going up on stage and that feeling that when you've written something and you've and then you tell it to people and they laugh i mean it's just amazing isn't it that you've that i mean because basically it's you you are making somebody laugh and that that's just a brilliant feeling and that's why I, I just seeing joy on people's faces that's what comedy is about it's just Oh, you sent me off on one now. I just love it. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Come on, yeah. vamos. Yeah. <laughs> and 
for anyone that's listening into this podcast now, how do they mm. find out about you and how do they get in contact? Well, I'm very easy to stalk on social media because if you just put Ribs Norman into any search engine, you will find a plethora of stuff you don't want to know about me. <laughs> Basically, I, all, all my social medias are at Ribs Norman, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty used to this on TikTok, so I wouldn't go there. Um, apparently, according to my 13-year-old, I am not funny. So, especially not on TikTok. Um, but don't listen to him. He doesn't know anything. Um yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm on pretty much all social media. I've got a website, ribsnorman.online, because why I bought that, I don't know why I didn't get .co.uk. Seemed like a good idea at the time, probably. I reckon it was one of those deals where it was really cheap, and then every year now it's like 40 quid or something to renew the domain. It's like some kind of sneaky trick. Anyway, I don't know, I'm babbling on about that now. Anyway, they, yeah. They are expensive, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Also, there's fabishandfringe.co.uk. Go there. Come to my festival. Hmm. And if yeah. they're from America or abroad, will you be paying for their travel? No, I'm, just, I'm joking. <laughs> Only if they bring someone. No. <laughs> no, I will not. But we do welcome international acts if they can get here under their own steam. And no, right. you can't stay at my house. Oh, that's not I nice. I may seem friendly, but I don't like people. <laughs> uh Where's a good place to rent? No, I'm joking. Where's a good place to go to, if, if I'm like, oh, what there? I want to have a pop in Faversham Fringe. Where's a good place to go? What to stay? Yeah. There's not really many places, to be honest. You're best looking on Airbnb. It's very small, Faversham. Oh, okay, nice. But it's right. lovely. It's the medieval gem of Kent, don't you know? <laughs> okay, so I'll talk. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, yeah. good sir. I shall oh, yes, it's very posh. I do honour. Yes. It's very nice, but Bob Geldof's got a place there. If it's good enough for Bob, it's good enough for anyone. Of course, you know, Bob, Bob the Builder. Well, not the Builder, but yeah. It's slightly different to that character. No. Yeah, different, yeah. Now, it's been a lot of fun. To everyone back home, if you like this episode, you know where to go to find about ribs. If you want to know more about me, the host, I'm on the flop master and all social media platforms. You can go on a show at instantlast.com. Uh, also, share with your friends. Uh, give us a fantastic review on Amazon or iTunes. If you didn't like it, keep quiet. <laughs> and uh, I will see you guys at the next episode.